This is Paul Nobles from Eat Reform. And once again, I don't want to waste much of our time here because we have a really good topic. And today we're going to be talking about LIST, which is low intensity steady state. And then Susan will describe to you what that is and, and why it exists. And then um, if you're interested, if you're listening to these podcasts and you want to you know, start Eat Reform, we do have a free trial. We also have... Uh, you know, a opportunity to get a meal plan. So if you're kind of new to counting macros, something of that nature, we can actually do a custom meal plan. Just go to eatreform.com and you can find that. Susan, can you talk to them about what book they might want to buy or where they would see you? Well, I think probably the most popular book that I've got in the latest edition is The New Power Eating. And uh, it's kind of the the seminal book uh, in a fifth edition of what used to be power eating and what people go to for strength, power, speed, and then any kind of uh, foundational sports training, uh, like team sports, whatever. So it's the science uh, in, in consumable nuggets that you can understand in regular language, along with a lot of diet and, and nutrition advice and meal plan advice and habits and Sort of no, I, I don't hold back any secrets. It's what I do with my clients. And you can get it at drskleiner.com. Okay, perfect. So why don't we start this off by just explaining to people what LIS is. So low intensity steady state training means that you're not training at a high intensity and it means that you're not just sauntering in a, in a walk. So Depending on how elite uh, of an athlete you are, it ranges between about 45 to 72% of your maximal work output, how hard you can work. Um, you know, the less well-trained you are, it may go 45 to 60 to 65%. The more well-trained you are, it may go from 50 to 72 to 75% of your maximum heart rate, maximum work output how hard it is, how hard it feels for you to work out and how much work output you're actually producing. And so it means that you are not running or exercising to a point of puke or pass out. It's something you can sustain fairly comfortably for 45 minutes, an hour, up to many, many, many hours of just consistent endurance training so would you say to describe it would be a light jog or a brisk walk would that be yeah. fair right yeah. um maybe like on an elliptical you're you're not you're not one of these people that just you know banging on that elliptical as fast as you can or or something of this nature so one of the things that that we talk a lot about and this is obviously no secret to you but you know, in a, when you get to the last stages of a deficit, there's very common in the bodybuilding world where as things get to be more difficult. Now, now I need, I'm going to back up for just a second because what you need to understand if you're, let's say, a bodybuilder is you're not going to a CrossFit wad and, and, you know, trying to do the hardest thing and, and PRing every lift and things of this nature, right? 
So normally, if you're a bodybuilder, you're well-fed, you're building your body, you're mostly anabolic most of the time, and you're getting in anywhere from an hour to three hour sessions, depending on what, what level of training that you're in. If you're in the stage where you're, you're kind of doing more lists along with your bodybuilding, basically what you're trying to do is get the most bang for your buck. So you have two things going for you. You have your calorie deficit, and then you also are able to burn fat through uh, volume, which list allows you to do that. So as an example, if you were doing something like HIT, right, high intensity interval training, and you normally do 10 to 15 minutes, uh, we could maybe have a debate about this, but I would argue that if you're doing anything more than 15 minutes, you're not doing HIT, right? The, the whole idea of HIT is that you're operating at a really super high level as it relates to your heart rate. And so just having your heart rate lower means that you could do uh, less volume without exertion. So what happens for a lot of people is they'll start, they'll, they'll get to a, a level in a deficit and they want to continue going to CrossFit like six days a week, right? And then you start to hear from them, I'm getting dizzy and I'm scared I'm going to pass out. And it's like, well, okay, we got to remember what our main goal is here. Is your goal to get better at CrossFit or is your goal to maximize your fat loss at the end of a deficit cycle, right? And, you know, if you're in the last two to three weeks of a deficit cycle, your goal should be to maximize the deficit cycle, right? I mean, let's be real here. If you're in a deficit and you're feeling dizzy in a wad, you're probably operating at about 50 to 60% of normal capacity anyway, right? And so I think that, the, you know, there's a lot of information out there. One of the reasons why we, we did cortisol first was just to kind of explain to people the relationship between cortisol and insulin. And I think it's interesting in this instance, because you're hearing a lot of people say, oh, you know, cortisol is going to be the thing that stops you from losing weight. I would say for the good majority of people, that is actually not the reason, but at the end of the day, the, the suggestion is that the more low intensity, kind of getting away from exercise, things of this nature, those are the things that are gonna be beneficial. I would argue that they're not beneficial, right? Even though I would also be the part, person that would argue for lists as you're deeper into a deficit. What you have to understand is you have to do a combination of both. You have to do enough, you know, strength training so that you're holding on to muscle, but you're also getting in enough volume through something like lists where you're not going to be dizzy and things of this nature. Does that make sense, Susan? Sure. Sure. So, so it really, I mean, it should, no matter what you're doing in your life, it should always be about the goal. Like if you're out at a bar, um, which most of us shouldn't be doing right now. But, but if you're, you know, and your goal is to get drunk, then you keep drinking. If your goal is to be able to drive home safely, then you should not keep drinking. And it's all about what's the goal. So when it comes to exercise and training, 
there are so many different goals why people do it. It may be just for pure enjoyment. It may be to be part of the team till you get accepted into college. It may be because you want to sculpt your body. It may be because you know it helps your mental health. It may be, you know, I mean, you could just go on and on and on, or that you truly are an athlete training for a sport. And so whatever the, any of those goals are, you should choose the set of, you should choose a plan that helps you reach your goals. So um, as, a, as a bodybuilder, and, and everyone out there probably doesn't know that that's where my career started in the early 1980s, working with uh, state and national championship male bodybuilders and studying them, whether they were using anabolic steroids or not, and the influence of diet on body composition and steroids on body composition and risk of cardiovascular disease. So, so I'm, I'm a part of the old network of bodybuilding and that training. Um, so this, the steady state exercise, whether then or now, as you say, comes in when you, when you have no more juice left. Uh, to do high intensity exercise to have it have any effect anymore. It, it, as you said, when you're out of fuel, you know, trying to race up a hill, you're not going to make it. You end up off the bike and walking. So why bother? You're not accomplishing anything. Get on a bike and go on a low, straight road forever. Go to Kansas and ride your bicycle, you know. Um, and, and the point is, if you're trying to, as you said, burn off the, those last few centimeters to look as ripped as you can, then you want to decrease the stress response to the movement that you're doing. Um, but when you are well-fueled, your most effective fat-burning exercise is going to be high intensity exercise over a brief period of time because you maximize the use of all the different systems in your body and it takes more calories within the same amount of time. And so, so the high intensity exercise has one effect and you're also getting a different kind of training effect. Although marathoners will do low, will do low intensity steady state exercise just to train in that endurance mode, but they typically don't do it at a deficit of calories because referencing back to cortisol, in a well-fueled individual doing high intensity exercise, yes, cortisol gets you going, it rises in the beginning, but then it, when you stop and you recover, it drops back down. If you measure someone who's in a deficit trying to do high intensity exercise, yes, they're going to have elevated cortisol levels for a long time. And they would have had those elevated cortisol levels even if they didn't do that exercise because they are in a deficit. So, so, so LIS or low intensity steady state exercise, and I gave it a, a little higher range because I am so used to working with elite athletes for the average individual, it's at a lower point. It would never go up to 70%. Um, that exercise is that sort of easy on the body, not too much demand, and I can burn off a few extra, as I said, maybe millimeters that I'm trying to, 
you know, maximize what I'm trying to do for a gated period of time. This is not a lifestyle. This is a yeah. brief moment of time when you're dieting to a goal and then you stop. So to kind of end this, I think the best way to describe this, right, is that people that are in a deficit, what ends up happening is, it, you know, typically if you're going to be in a deficit, you know, you don't want to like be 50 calories less. You're going to want to have like a 300, 400 calorie deficit. You're going to feel that in the gym. Does that mean that you can't do hit a few times a week? No, it just means that you need to modify towards that a little bit. I think what happens for a lot of people is they hear this advice and they, they go to it too fast because at the end of the day, you know, it does suck to eat less, right? And, you know, they're not fully fueled. Their glucose stores aren't tapped off and things of this nature. I mean, that's fine. We're talking about when it gets really super uncomfortable. And I mean, Susan kind of talked, uh, you know, talked around it a little bit. But there's this narrative out there that cortisol is holding you back, right? And I'm just telling you, if you're sleeping eight hours a night, cortisol is not holding you back, right? It, what is happening is that you get the big water release in the beginning. We all know that. But the problem that you run into is that when you work out, right? your body is going to hold on to water a little bit more. It's going to hold on to sodium a little bit more, right? All the things that you're eating, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to use it, right? If you don't do that and then you just walk in under eat, your body really has no mechanism to hold that, right? And it's this idea of anabolic versus catabolic, right? In the instance where you are exercising, you're kind of asking your body to be a little anabolic. And so it's going to take the little bit of fuel that you do have, even though it's not necessarily going to build tissue, it's going to hold it a little bit better than if you were just walking and under eating, right? And a lot of people go, well, walking and under eating is a lot easier for me to do. That's true, but that's going to be more favorable as it relates to water release. It's not going to be as favorable as it, as it relates to holding muscle, holding tissue and things of that nature. So this idea of like going completely without any type of resistance training, I would say that's not as favorable. Would you disagree with that? And no, not at all. I mean, the data are abundantly clear yeah. that when you, when you strength train and you're in a deficit, you hang on to more lean tissue. It's just, there's, yeah. there's no debate there. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think what happens is, is, you know, people start eating less. Right. And, and, and you no, know, it's interesting with macros. Cause, cause you know, this idea where protein has to be a certain way and carb carbs are a certain way and, fats are a certain way, and then you're kind of tearing it down. These are all becoming sort of mainstream ideas at this point, right? But you're seeing like these major companies almost selling against exercise. And what it's doing when you do that 
is, yes, it's appealing to your basic nature. It's saying you can do as little as possible and lose the most weight. And they are correct. You will lose more weight, but you right. won't lose more fat, right? Exactly. And yes. that's the role of lists. That's the role of resistance training. And so, so I think we covered that really well. I'm really loving these because I think that these are, these are topics that are really important to people. And if they understood it a little bit better, they'd be more successful in their deficits, but also more successful when they're not in deficits, right? Like as an example, we were just talking about lists. At Eat Perform, we have, we have what we've referred to as the adaptation phase. And then we also have a performance phase. In the adaptation phase and the performance phase, both of them, food is increasing, right? So that's when you put your hit. That's when you put those long hypertrophy sessions, right? Where you're doing more muscle pump and things of that nature, right? And so, so, so it's kind of hard for people to kind of put those pieces together. Now, does it mean that you can't use that for running? No, like Susan was saying, marathoners use long, low intensity, steady state, but they tend to do that with more calories, mm -hmm. right? Because we're talking about miles upon miles upon miles, not the one mile jog that you might do to warm up or something of that nature. So kind of keep that in mind also. But yeah, you want to view these sessions sort of differently as you go. So all right, I think we covered that. Well, is there anything that we need to, to well, the, talk the about? Only, the only, the last thing is to know that you can adjust your strength training as well, where, you know, in your well-fueled state, you're, you may be lifting heavy. Um, you can start to lift lighter and, you know, low, lower weight, higher reps. You can use, do more body weight workouts, but don't ever eliminate your weight training in particular for women because our calcium loss when we are in deficit is enormous and you can't get that back unless you're not about 24 25 years old yet you can't regain the bone that you lose so maintain a strength train or resistance workout that's really the key Keep doing some kind of resistance training three times a week, even in deficit, even if you adjust what that resistance training is. Okay. Well, we'll end on that note. That last part was great. I really appreciate you bringing that one up. And uh, hopefully everybody's enjoying these and we'll talk to you later. Bye now.